When our daughter Amy was a little girl, there were, of course, many times when I had the privilege of trying to put her to sleep. I don't know how your children were, but for some reason, Amy was one of these little kids that uh, was not always too eager to go to sleep. Any of you had a child like that? Some of you? Yes. All right. But I, I do recall one day, one day I was uh, trying to get her to sleep, and uh, I probably read a, a story to her and prayed with her, and I'm laying down, encouraging her to close her eyes and, and uh, just get to bed. And uh, then she says, Daddy, Daddy, I want to go downstairs. I want to go downstairs and play checkers with you. And this was about 10 o'clock at night, way past her bedtime. And I said, sweetheart, no, no, we can't go downstairs. If we did, that, uh, that would upset mommy a lot. She would be very displeased. And so we need to go to sleep. She said, Dad, are you afraid of mom? <laughs> What do you say to a girl, huh? What do you say to a child? <laughs> a little girl was praying, a little girl was praying and said, Dear God, did you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you did, then I'm going to fix my brother. <laughs> a husband and wife, together with their young son, were invited to a neighbor's wedding. For the little boy, it was the first uh, very special opportunity of this kind, first time he was going to a wedding. And as the family entered the church, the usher extended his uh, elbow or his arm, you know, as we train the ushers to sometimes do at weddings, the usher extended his arm to, to the family and, and said, are you, are you on the bride's side or are you on the groom's side? And before his parents could respond, the little guy said, he said, well, are they taking sides already, Mom? <laughs> A little boy in the United States went to his father and asked, Daddy, what causes wars? What causes wars, Dad? The father lifted his head from behind the newspaper and he began to explain. Well, suppose the United States and Canada should, should quarrel. Suppose the United States and Canada got really upset with each other. And the boy's mother then interrupted and said, but, but we should never, we should never quarrel with Canada, she said. Well, I know that, said the father. I was just giving an example. Well, it was a confusing example, mother replied. It was not, said the father angrily. Yes, it was, mother insisted firmly. And then, then the little boy turned away, shaking his head and said, never mind, now I know what causes wars. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about raising amazing children. Raising amazing children. And I, I don't want some of you, please, I don't want some of you to turn me off. Because I know, I've been around long enough to know that generally most people will tune in if it's something that especially pertains to your life. So I don't want you to turn me off if you don't have children 
or if you plan never to have children, or I don't want you to turn me off if your children are already grown up and you're thinking, oh man, I'm past that. Because what I'm about to share with you from God's Word is very pertinent, very relevant to all of us, all right? In fact, there was a study done a few years ago. This study was done in New York City and Washington, D.C. And um, the study was done in areas of those cities where there was a lot of what they call at-risk children, at-risk children and youth. The question was this. The question was, why did some children from the same neighborhood grow up to be solid, responsible citizens while so many others grew up getting into big trouble with the law, getting into gangs, and being a big problem? The question was, okay, these kids are growing up in, 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 in these uh, environments or this community, these communities where, where there are a lot of problems, a lot of problems, and yet they were seeing that some kids really rose to the top despite the negativity that was going on as they were growing up. So the question was, what was the difference? Why did some kids really grow up to be outstanding citizens and so many others got into such serious trouble. Now listen to this. The only difference that they found was kids who grew up, who grew up into solid citizens had at least one positive, loving, adult role model in their lives, whether it was male or female, and kids from the same at-risk uh, environment or neighborhood who grew up in gangs with trouble and violence did not even have one good role model in their lives. Now, what was even further very important was the research showed that the role model did not have to be a parent. It could be a loving, encouraging, supportive adult. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because you might not be a parent yourself, but you can be a wonderful, encouraging, supportive role model to someone else's child or teenager and who you are and how you love them and invest in them, care for them, pray for them, may be the turning point in their lives. Are you with me now? And some of you who are teachers in the school systems here would probably be able to indeed say amen, amen, as Debbie here is saying. So I tell you that to say whether you're a parent or not, what I'm about to share with you is relevant in, in everyone's life. So, raising amazing children. The first thing I want you to focus on is this. Love your child. Love someone else's child, obviously appropriately. Love 
those children. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is recorded as saying these beautiful words. Why don't you read them with me from the big screen? A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, obviously Jesus was referring to everyone in a general way here, but there is, there is no better place to apply this truth than in our homes and in our relationships with our children and with other people's children. I realize, of course, that when anyone says, parents, love your child, most of us are inclined to say, right? Most of us are inclined to say, well, of course, Pastor Nick, whoop-dee-doo, you didn't tell me anything new. Of course. Most of us know that God has placed within moms and dads an inner love for their kids. Over the years, what's been interesting for me is occasionally, occasionally someone has said to me, someone has said, you know, Pastor Nick, uh, I, I just can't see so-and-so when they, when they get married and have a, uh, have a baby, if they do have a baby, Someone on occasion said, you know, I just can't see how so-and-so could ever, could ever be uh, a decent father. And then, and, then, and, then, and then when that happens, I just smile and I say, it's just incredible what a great father he is and what a joy he is to his wife, a joy he is to, uh, to the whole family. Um, when, when people have a child born, uh, even if you think the guy or, or the girl is, is someone you never thought would take great care of a child, it's just amazing how the love of that man or woman comes out. Amen? Well, most of us have that natural love for our kids. Yet here's a question that children and teen, teens sometimes ask. They say, how come my parents don't love me? <laughs> What, what they're really saying is, how come I don't feel loved? And the difficulty many of us have often lies in communicating that love. Are you with me? Communicating that love. How can we communicate that love? Well, those of you who may be taking notes, A... Communicate verbally. Say to your child or to your teenager something like, honey, I love you very much. I really do love you so much. Now some of you might be saying to yourself, Pastor Nick, my son or daughter knows that. My son or daughter knows that. I don't need to say it to him or her. Let me tell you something. Usually when a person has said to me, Pastor, I'm upset because my parents don't love me, my normal response is, I'm sure, I know they do love you. Then I almost know what the son or daughter will say word for word. The child or teenager will say, but my father never, never tells me that he loves me. What's it boil down to? We need to be told that we are loved. Just like you wives have to be told regularly that you are loved. 
Is that right, wives? All right. So, communicate verbally. Uh, on this issue, last week I was, spending, uh, I was spending a little bit of time with my three-year-old grandson, Yanni, and, um, and I was, I was actually, actually surprised with the question that he asked me. I think I, I had him in my arms. I think he was sitting in my lap at that point. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the blue, Pastor Lisa, out of the blue, he says, Papa, do you love me? And, and I say I was really surprised. Earl, I was, I was really surprised because I tell this little guy, three, he's three years old, he can't help love him, <laughs> you know. I, I tell him regularly, almost every time that I see him, how much I love him. And so there, he's in my lap, I'm, I'm just hugging him, and out of the blue he says, Papa, do you love me? And obviously, I, I said, well, sweetheart, ah, Papa loves you so very, very much, I love you, and gave him all the hugs I could. And I, I said, Nana, he calls my wife, his grandmother, Nana, lo Nana loves you very much, and your mommy and daddy love you, and, and, and lots of other family members and other people love you. And as I'm going on like that, his smile just started to get bigger and bigger. You know, bigger and bigger. It was just a little reminder to me that whether, whether uh, it's your son or daughter or mine or our grandchildren, they just, they just need to be told and shown regularly in one way or another that they are loved. Amen? Another way of communicating our love is point B. Show a sincere interest in their activities and accomplishments. Ask, ask your child or teenager, whether it's your grandchild or your, your son or daughter, ask them how their day went. Just talk with them. Simply ask how things are going, how school is going when school is in session. Find out, find out if something is bugging them. Be a good listener. Show an interest in what they do. When they bring home some painting or, or something from church or school, get as excited about it as you did the last time you got a raise at work, if you can remember whenever that was. <laughs> Amen? Just, just show interest in their activities and accomplishments. Um, I, I'm fortunate to have had good parents myself. My parents were always very supportive and took an interest in what I did. At the same time, some of my most, I guess my most sad or disappointing times were occasions when either my father, mother, or both could not, could not come to something that I was involved in. For example, when I was in high school, I usually took part in our school's major musical productions. We put on some very large productions like Camelot. Any of you remember? Camelot! Ta -da -da -ta -ta. All right. <laughs> 
the music man. <laughs> the music man, the scene opens with, you can talk, you can bicker, you can talk, you can bicker, you can talk, 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 bicker, 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 you can talk all you wanna, but it's different than it was. It's different than it was. No, it ain't, no, it ain't, but you gotta know the territory. I know that doesn't bless you either. <clears throat> and, you know, and I, I remember Brigadoon. Brigadoon, I had a part, I played uh, Charlie, and I, I had a, a solo. Uh, I think it went so, something like, I used to be a roving lad, a roving and wandering life I had. And then it talks about Charlie meeting uh, Gene, Bonnie Jean, and, and the song went... Oh, go home with Bonnie Jean. Go home, go home, go home with Bonnie Jean. Well, there, there's one person who knows that, that uh, musical. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, uh, you know, when I, when I was in those productions, I mean, we pretty much worked on those productions from, what, September till I think it was May, and then we would put the production on in May. I, I, I worked hard after school almost every day, every day after school with the production team. So, I, and, then, and then when the presentation time came, it was usually Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and... Um, I remember looking forward to having my family there, and usually my mom. My mom could come, but um, but my father, but my father, almost never came. Now the only reason he didn't come was because of his work schedule, and I I understood that, but nevertheless I I still remember how my heart hurt because my father wasn't there. You understand what I'm saying? And, and the only reason I'm telling you this is uh, here, you know, every evening we had 800 to 1,000 people in the, in the high school auditorium watching these productions. And for some reason, for some reason, I was joyous that my mother was there and a few other relatives, but, but I missed the fact that my father wasn't there. Do, you, do any of you connect with me? You relate to what I'm talking about? Do you? You understand? Or maybe some of you always had your father and mother there, or it didn't bother you they couldn't come, right? We're, we're all different. Anyway, the bottom, line, the bottom line is show a sincere interest in their activities and accomplishments, and that will help communicate your love. And then, uh, again, how can we communicate our love? Point C is this. Encourage, encourage a positive image. A third way in which you can express love is by helping your child and or grandchild to develop a positive self-image. Parents can be very instrumental in helping a child to just grow, grow up with a healthy sense of, I am valuable in God's sight. I have significance, I have worth. I am mentioning this matter of self-worth because of the repeated times that I see people struggling with this issue. Amen? Now, here's how you and I can help our children grow up with a healthy self-esteem. To begin with, by our speech. Proverbs 25, verse 11 says, A word fitly and aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What's that saying? 
It's saying we must be careful how we speak to our children and the words we use. Amen? And in, in line, in line with this matter of watching what we say, is the issue of being careful what nicknames, what nicknames we give them. Dr. James Dobson tells the story in one of his books about a man whose self-esteem was deeply affected because of the nickname his father had given him. The situation was this. When this man was a, a little boy, when he was a little boy, he seemed to have a problem keeping his pants dry. As a result of the boy's problem, because of the problem the little boy had keeping his pants dry, his father named him Chief Wetum Pants of the Peepee Tribe. And unfortunately, as the child grew out of this problem, the name stuck. Chief Wetum Pants. Oh, who, who is that guy? That's Chief Wetum Pants. The, the, the name stuck, and the boy grew up with self-esteem struggles and problems. We need to be careful with our speech. Amen? Another way of helping, helping to build uh, self-esteem in our children is by encouraging our children uh, to develop their talents, develop their talents, encourage them to become successful in, in sports, Bible memorization, a musical instrument, whatever might be their, their interest, their, their giftedness, watch for what they're gifted in and encourage them especially in that respect. Amen? All right. So we, we've talked about different ways of loving our children. Let me take you to a second truth that can help us raise amazing children, and it is this. Number two, discipline your child carefully, and I could easily add there, carefully and wisely. Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, do not withhold discipline from a child. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Now, I, I am sure that my wife and I did not, did not discipline our two children, Amy and Jeremy, perfectly. But I can say that at most stages of their grown up years, if they, were, if they were deliberately disobedient or misbehaving, we found three types of discipline usually worked with them, and they were having a stern talk with them, uh, giving them a, a time out, taking away a privilege. Taking away a privilege really worked across all the years. It still works. <laughs> They're grown up now, as most of you know. All right? It has been, it has been interesting, by the way, it's, it has been interesting for me to observe that occasionally, <clears throat> when our three-year-old grandson, Yanni, is deliberately disobedient, it's, it's very rare, fortunately, he's a very wonderful, compliant child, but occasionally, if he is deliberately disobedient, I've noticed that our daughter 
Amy usually disciplines him either, either by a stern talk, giving him time out, or taking away a privilege. I don't know if she deliberately noticed that those means of discipline worked with her and her brother or, or what. But, uh, for example, she might, she might specifically say to Yanni something like, Sweetheart, you deliberately threw that train. You will not be allowed to play with your train for the rest of the day. All right? That's what we call withdrawing a privilege. It is imperative that we begin disciplining from a very early age to allow children to do whatever they want until they're seven or eight years old can spell disaster. Is there an amen in the house? You need to especially discipline when they defy, when they defy authority, when they defy your authority as a parent. <clears throat> now, parents, please remember there is a, a big difference between an accident and deliberate disobedience. For example, if your child accidentally spills their cup of milk, don't make them feel like they did a terrible thing. That can happen. It's probably happened to you more than to your child. You know, if they spill their milk accidentally, just say, Johnny, try to be a little more careful, sweetheart. Uh, help me clean it up, or I'll help you clean it up. Now, if he, if he deliberately, if he deliberately, or, or let's say, let's say when Dr. Lisa Autar was growing up with her two brothers, if she deliberately took her milk and spilled it over Brother Mark's head, which which only he would be able to tell me if she ever did that. But if she ever did that deliberately, that's when some disciplinary action should have been taken. And knowing her mother, she probably gave her lots of disciplinary action if she did stuff like that, right? Amen. <laughs> All right? And if you would like some assistance in this area of discipline, I encourage you to borrow to borrow from the library, or you can go buy these books, all right? Go and buy some of James Dobson's book. He's got an excellent book called Dare to Discipline, all right? And another excellent book by him, uh, maybe on the screen if you just separate those, please. Dare to Discipline. The other book is The Strong-Willed Child. The Strong-Willed Child. Now, I know those books were written a few decades ago, but the reality is those books are still outstanding and, and provide some of the best, best guidance for parents out of any book that you'll find on child rearing and especially the subject of discipline. All right? If, uh, if you don't, you know, if you can't find those books, uh, speak to me and I'll, I'll see if I can uh, uh, lend you a copy of mine. By the way, when I mention the word discipline, I know what some of you have. I know what comes to your mind. Here's what I'm talking about. 
Some of you have talked about how when you were a child or a teenager, you were raised in a culture where you were given a severe whipping for misbehavior. Now don't put your hand up, please. <laughs> a lot of you have talked to me about this. And some of you, some of you have laughed it off. You've laughed it off and have, uh, have even said things like, you've, you've said to me, Pastor Nick, I, I deserve the whippings I got. You've said that to me. And others of you, others of you are still living with the emotional scars because of the physical abuse, the injuries, the pain you sustained at the hands, the hands of a well-meaning parent, a well-meaning grandparent, well-meaning aunt or uncle, a well-meaning teacher or principal. And I am very sorry, are you hearing me now? Are you hearing me? I am very sorry that some of you experienced the kind of discipline, quite frankly, that should never have happened. And at the end of this service, at the end of this service, if you want to come to the altar to have a good cry, a good cry over those bad memories, please feel free to come. I know there are some of you that are still hurting badly many years after it happened. Obviously, also, learn from the mistakes of others and never treat any child or teenager the way you were mistreated for whatever reasons that happened. Amen? So, number one, love your child. Number two, discipline your child carefully and wisely. And number three, number three, be a great example. Be a great example. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, why don't we read, uh, why don't we read this portion of Scripture together? I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois <clears throat> and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For Timothy... His mother and grandmother were an example of the power of a positive parental influence. Here's some research which demonstrates the need for positive parental examples. A thorough questionnaire was done with teenagers in which the average, the average teen was in grade 10, all right? Average teenager was in grade 10. One of the key questions asked was, what person in your life had the single greatest influence in shaping the way you believe and the way you behave? And the person may or may not be a member of your family. The influence may be negative or positive. Now here are the results of that study. The results are this. 40%, 40% said their father had the greatest influence. 26% said their mother had their, the greatest influence upon them. 
34% said someone else had the greatest influence on them. And of the 34%, three quarters of them had no father present in their home. Now, to begin with, to begin with, men, men, I want you to obviously notice that 40% said their father had a very important influence upon them. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I keep saying, I keep saying, you know, whether, um, whether a mother and a father remain married or not, hopefully a mother and father remain married, but whether or not a couple remains married, it's, it's critical, it's top priority for fathers to maintain love and an, inv- and an investment in time and energy in their son or daughter because 40% said their father highly influenced them. What it boils down to, what it boils down to is Two-thirds of the teens said either their father and or mother had the greatest influence. One Sunday, I was in, uh, in one of our children's Sunday school classes at 9.30 before the morning service. At the end of the class, at the end of the class, uh, the teacher said something like this. The, the teacher said, well, we'll see you next Sunday morning, children, for the next lesson next week. Now, kids, as you know, are very open and honest. And one of the one of the children, uh, one of the children whose parents should know better, one of the parents said, "Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be here next Sunday, teacher." And the teacher said, "Oh, how come?" And the child responded, "Well, sometimes my parents sleep in and don't bother to get up for church to bring us." Uh, some of you are asking yourself, was that my kid? <laughs> All I'm saying is, parents owe their children an example, right? Uh, a, a few years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of being in Hawaii on vacation, and we were on the beautiful island of Kauai. I think they spell K-A-U-A-I. Just a gorgeous island. One day I went for a drive. I went for a drive along the coast just to see the island, to see the beauty, just appreciate God's creation. While driving through a small town, I saw a very beautiful and unique church. I, um, I pulled over, I pulled over to just admire the church and take a few pictures from different angles. And, and just as I got out of the car, just a, a few feet away, I guess from here to maybe the first row, uh, there were children, I don't know, six or seven children who were talking there. And as I was trying to get these pictures, I'm hearing these children use, well, first of all, you have to understand, I, I think they were, they were probably between the ages of like, like 9, 10, and 11, around there, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, approximately. 
So uh, as I'm starting to take these pictures, these children are over there talking away, and from their lips, from their lips, no kidding, I heard, I heard the worst language, the worst swear words I think I have ever heard. Honestly, I thought, where in the world do these kids learn these things? I was shocked. I was, I was honestly shocked because they were just such young children. And, uh, you know, I, I'm one to kind of not just ignore things. So I just, just kindly walked over and I, I just said, boys and girls, I'm so-and-so. I said, children, children, why do you use such terrible words? These are swear words. These are bad words. No one, no one should ever talk like you're talking. Where, where could you possibly learn these kinds of words? And they just kind of went, from our parents, my mom, my dad. And I said, oh, please, please, don't, don't talk like that. No, tell your parents you shouldn't, they shouldn't talk like that either. And then one of them got extra mouthy and said, well, mister, mister, we live here. We were born here. This is our island, and we can talk the way we want. You're just a tourist. <laughs> and honestly, I, I, I felt like crying. I felt like crying because I saw the beauty of the island all around me, and I saw the filthiness of the mouths and the hearts of children that should have been innocent. It made me want to cry. And I just drove off into the sunset. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, that, that happened, that happened. All right, bottom line is, be a great example. As you look at your life, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, whether, whether you're not a parent, the question is, would you ha be happy to have children follow in your footsteps, to follow your example, to follow my example? And, and by the way, by, by, by the way, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's you or me. Occasionally, occasionally, we, we might all blow it sometime, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we, we can all make mistakes. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I told you about the time when, you know, my, my son Jeremy, my son Jeremy, I think, was only, um, I don't know, five or six. Uh, he was five or six. Uh, I, I was driving him home, driving him home from church, from our previous location, driving him home after uh, after Caravan Club, our Wednesday evening program, I was driving him home. I've told you this story, I think. Uh, I was driving home along Finch, and as I'm driving, I think it was around 8.30 or 9 in the evening, as I'm driving, there was a, there was a car. You have to understand, that time of the night, uh, Finch wasn't that busy. 
But there was a card that was just following, following me, like just almost on my bumper. And if I had pressed the brake, okay. George, if I had put the brake on, probably would have smashed into me. I mean, so anyway, car was following me right on my bumper. And uh, I, I was getting frustrated. And I remember I said, I said to my son, I said, Jeremy, I, I don't know why, I don't know why this dodo is following so closely. And then, and then uh, uh, I don't know, about a minute later, my son, my son speaks up and he says, Dad, that dodo just passed you. <laughs> and I had to apologize. Honestly, I did. I, I said, Jeremy, Jeremy, oh, hold on, sweetheart, sweetie. I, I'm sorry. I should not have called that person a dodo. I said, Jeremy, I, Daddy did wrong. I should not have called that person a dodo. Please forgive me, son. Don't you call people dodos, okay? It's not right. Okay, Dad, but he was following too close. I know, but don't call people dodos. Anyway, I tell you that to just say, whether it's you or me, sometimes we might not be the ideal example, and if we blow it, we need to apologize and try to correct the situation. Right, Stephanie? Right. Okay, let me move on to this fourth truth. All right? We're talking about raising amazing children like Stephanie has. Wonderful to see your daughter beside you, Stephanie. God bless you. All right, number four, give your child spiritual training. Give your child spiritual training. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six and seven, it says, read the verses with me. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Uh, teach them, as Mark 12, verse 30 says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Teach them to love others as themselves. Instruct them to have reverence for God. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 says, have reverence for God and keep his commandments. Instruct him or her that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth, died on the cross to pay the price for our, all our sins, was dead, buried, and resurrected from the dead. Teach them that now through faith and trust in Christ we can be, be forgiven of our sins and receive the gift of eternal life. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, says the word of God. By faith in Christ, we become a child of God. We become a somebody. And the question is this, are you yourself a child of God? This spiritual training can in part come directly from you in your home, and it can happen if you faithfully bring your children to Sunday school, to Wednesday evening caravan club, to church services, to day camp programs, sports programs. The bottom line is, my friends, let us raise amazing children. Let us do as we've been talking about. Number one, 
Love your child. Secondly, discipline your child carefully. Thirdly, be a great example. And fourth, give your child spiritual training. Let's raise amazing children. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for our boys and girls and for other people's boys and girls. You love them and we love them. And I pray that you would help all of us, whether we are single, married, whether we're parents or not parents, pray that you would help all of us to make a wonderful contribution in raising amazing children. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.